as you're taking a seat. Welcome to Vertical. Welcome. My name is Dale Wallace, and I'm the executive director of Vertical Ministries. I'm really glad that you have picked to be here tonight in Waco Hall. Most of you have been in this place before, but usually you have to swipe for attendance. Tonight, you don't have to, all right? You never will, actually. Whenever people see me around, they're like, Dale, I'll be there tonight. And I'm like, that's great. We don't check attendance, even if you don't come. So don't worry about it, all right? Here's the deal. I am so glad that you're here. I'm not the biggest fan of summer. It's hot, and I don't like off-season. This is my season. This is what I love. But a few summers ago, I started, uh, I had just started working for Vertical, and I just moved back to Waco. So just a, a little little glimpse of my life. I was once in your shoes. I went to Baylor University and uh, graduated, praise him, and uh, went on to Dallas, classic Baylor University. And then, um, and then I realized that Dallas is just a concrete wasteland, okay? Um, and yeah, exactly. All my Houston people are like, amen, amen. Okay, great. All the Dallas people hate me. That's fine. I can live with that. Here's the deal. I moved to Dallas, Wasteland, and then I was like, I need to go back to the promised land, Waco, Texas. All right. Amen. So here I am, Waco, Texas. All of my friends that I went to school with were like, hey, yo, let's do this triathlon in Waco. And I'm like, that sounds great. I live here. Y'all come to me. That's easy. Um, I can make a commit li- commitment like that. Okay. And so uh, they're coming to Waco. We're going to do this triathlon. It's called the Waco Tri. We're going to do an Olympic triathlon. Do you know what a triathlon is? Three parts, you know, swim, bike, run. Okay. And that or swim, bike, run. And so we show up and it's kind of game day. It's game weekend. I'm getting excited, you know, kind of getting, you know, the jitters, the pregame jitters, Sunday morning, race day, Saturday night. We're at Barris pasta place down the pasta place, uh, Italian restaurant in Waco, fine establishment. You got to try it. Pink sauce. Anyways, uh, you'll thank me later, freshman. Check it out. Um, so we're at Barris, and we all start talking. And uh, I just start eating because that's what I'm best at. And, and so they're talking to one another, and they're like, hey, you know, I've been training for this for, the, for like five days a week for the last two months. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty impressive, you know. Like, and, and so we're all kind of like measuring our fish to one another. And so I'm not sure if they're being serious, if their fish is this big, and they're just telling us it's this big. You know, it's one of those moments where a bunch of guys at a table, and you're like, are you lying? But, uh, but everyone's kind of going around and saying how they've trained. And one of my buddies is like, yeah, I did an Ironman like, like two months ago. And so, you know, I've just been training here and there. And I'm like, okay, he's probably ready. Um, he's like quadrupled this race before. And, and so everyone's going around. We're kind of measuring each other's like athleticism and discipline, you know, that kind of thing, comparing one another. And I'm just eating. I'm like, ah, this is <laughs> kind of concerning. And I'm not the quietest person, and so they, they realize I've been quiet. They're like, Dale, how much, how much have you prepared? And I'm like, pink sauce. I'm trying to eat. I'm like, you know, I run around the bear trail every once in a while. And, uh, and uh, I like to bike more than I like to run. I don't do it as much as I run, but I like it, you know? And, and I actually like hanging out by the pool sometimes. Like, I like a little, you know, jump in, get my tan on. But, you know, swimming, 
I wouldn't call myself a swimmer. I'd actually call myself a drowner. And, uh, and so I'm like eating and I'm kind of, I feel like I'm confessing at this point. I'm like, uh, I'm not ready. And at this point they decide, you know what? We're no longer going to do this race together. It's every man for himself tomorrow morning. And so I'm like, okay, sounds good. And if you know me, you know how the rest of the story goes. Doesn't go well. I get in the water the next day. I don't even, I've never worn a swim cap before. I'm like, how did this, how does this go on my bald head, right? Like (laughs) y'all don't know what it's like. And so I'm like figuring it out. Like 30 seconds into the swim, I'm like, this is hard. Backstroke is the play. No doubt. (laughs) About 30 seconds into that, I'm like, nope, froggy stroke, froggy stroke. (laughs) I can't deal with this. And then finally I realized, you know what? Breaststroke, slow and steady is going to win this race. I'm the last person out of the water. All the way. That's not funny. This is, this is not entering into sad part of the story. No more laughs, okay? So I'm the last one out of the water. Waco is pity clapping me. They're like, we're so proud of you. And I'm like, shut up, all of you. And uh, I come up to the railing, and I'm cramping at this point. Not a good sign. And, uh, and also, my body's kind of starting to reject Barris uh, from the night before. And so I get to the rail, and I'm like, Bleh. won't go into much detail there. And people are yelling for a medic. This medic comes up. He's like, do you have the pills? I'm like, dude, I don't do drugs, okay? <laughs> I'm trying to quit. And so he's like... Y'all chill. This is the sad part. Uh, and I'm like, he's like, do you have the goo or the pills? And I'm like, I don't even, I honestly didn't even know what he was talking about. I was like, sir, is it just me or are you speaking a different language? And he's like, you can't keep going. I won't let you go on. And I looked him in dead in the eyes and said, you can't tell me to live my life, okay? So he left and I kept going. I went to my bike. I was like, I'm going, I'm going. So I'm trying to catch up as hard as I can. Breaking all the rules. Pace is important in a race like that, okay? And so I'm just like trying to catch up to somebody to like, you know, boost my ego. Because at this point, I've been humbled. And the race goes on. And uh, that's not funny. Uh, The race goes on. The race goes on. I'm in Cameron Park. I'm running, cramping on every leg. Parts of, I didn't even know, muscles I didn't even know I had were cramping. And I'm on my back. I'm screaming. But nobody's there because I'm last still. Oh, not funny. Um, and so we get to this point. I finally finish. Miracle. Total miracle. And that story is funny to laugh about. We can be like, oh, my gosh, that's so funny. Dale's an idiot, right? Like, that's fine. But at the end of the day, I start this series with this. Because that's the way most of us treat relationships. We all are just kind of uh, complacent, possibly, in this season called singleness, we're kind of complacent. We kind of see it as this like holding pattern time where one day I'm just going to wake up, see the right person and be like, now it's time to start going to church. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where, where we kind of just are sitting back until the right person comes around and, 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 and we laugh, we laugh about the story of the triathlon. And then when we take a step back, we realize how important a season of preparation could be. And I, I just, I want you to know, as I've already told you, I've sat in your shoes before. This idea of ring by spring, that, that actually was put on a camp t-shirt when I was in college. That was put on the back. That, so it said Baylor University on the front, and it said ring by spring university on the back. And that's what we wore to camp. 
which is weird, I know, but, but I tell you this because this isn't new. Like there are pres- there's pressure to relationships at this place, whether at Baylor, MCC, or TSDC. There is pressure that's involved with this. And I'm not saying you should be ashamed if you have a ring and it's the fall. You're like, you're early, okay, congrats. I'm not saying if you're here, that's, that's a bad thing. But what I am saying is I have legitimately seen people get ringed by springs. And I kid you not, divorce. And I'm not that much older than y'all. Divorce in the time period since I've been gone. So I care. And I don't just tell you that to spook you and stop you, make it quiet in here, scare you. That's not my point. The reason why I start with that is because I care and I think the season of singleness is more important than we realize. So that's why we're going to start with it the first week, even though it's not everyone's favorite subject, I know. It's not mine either. So here we are. (laughs) Y'all were laughing. Now everyone's quiet. Hey, here's what we're going to do. I've told you where we're going to go tonight. We're going to talk about singleness and we know the importance. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we know that apart from you in this time, absolutely nothing of spiritual significance can happen apart from you. And so, Jesus, we ask that you would work. Lord, I ask that you would work even in my own heart, in every heart in this room, not in a cheesy way like work our hearts, Lord. Lord, move in a way that's bigger than any of us here, bigger than any band, bigger than any person. Lord, we ask that you would move. Please. And I'm going to ask that you pray in the quietness of your own heart. Would you pray for yourself in this moment? Would you pray that you would be willing to listen? Because you might have come in here, and when you think of relationships or when you think of singleness, all it does is take you off. Would you pray in this moment? And would you pray in this moment for me? God would speak through me. And that my words would be clear. And that the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ would be clear tonight to each and every one of us, myself included. Would you pray that for me? Lord, use tonight. We ask this humbly in your son Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, tonight we're going to start our series on relationships, Ring by Spring, by talking about singleness. And the reason why it's so important is this. Uh, I've also, we've given you bags. They have pins in them meant for you to take notes on. For those that forgot their journals, notes, phones, for sure you didn't forget your phone tonight, but you can take notes there. The reason why, the reason why we're going to start with, okay, wow, a lot of movement. I'll give you a second. All right, settle down, all you single people. All right, here's the deal. Why start with singleness? I told you about the destruction, the hurt, the shame, all these different things. But here's another reason why we got to talk about singleness tonight. How many of you guys are married? Raise your hand. Cool. All right. A few parents, a few professors, and that's it. 
That's it. So nobody in the room is married over here, up there. Am I missing anybody? Married? Nope. Oh, somebody's raising their hand. Thanks for being here. Okay. <laughs> it's not going to be a waste of your time either, I promise. And so here's the deal. In the Bible, this might shock you, as it did me when I was in college. kind of freaked me out. In the Bible, there's married people who are husband and wives. And then there's single people who are brothers and sisters. Insane. I didn't even know that. No lie. I was like, what about the dating stage or the talking, right? Texting, whatever you want to call it. DMing, I don't know. Whatever it is. I don't know what it is. But I'm like, what about all these stages that we've made, right? I did some research. It's my job. I did some research on y'all's behalf. Dating started within the last 100 to 125 years. Insane. I didn't know that. I thought dating's like forever been a thing, right? False. So dating started pretty recently. It's a man-made thing. It's a cultural thing that has been created recently. And so if you're not married, you therefore fall into the category of single. That might be bad news to some of you tonight. You're like, no, 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 Dale. I'm in a relationship. Check my Facebook status, all right? Here's my deal. I'm not disqualifying or discrediting your relationships. Many of you, I know, are dating. That's wonderful. Um, What I want you to know is this still applies to you because the people you interact with, even your significant other, is still your sister. She's not your wife. So everything we're going to talk about tonight is really going to inform everyone in here and even those that are married about singleness. And so we're going to dive into singleness. And when you, when you think about ring by spring, when you think about relationships, you might, uh, there's a lot of different kind of thoughts that come to mind. I, we took a survey and it's everything from frustration to like excitement and joy. It's just kind of all across the board. There's all sorts of responses. And, but one of the things we do find is that there's just a lot of questions, we're like, what are we supposed to do about long distance? I'm like, I don't know. The Bible, does it say anything about long distance? I don't know. And so it brings about a lot of questions. And what I want you to know is, and almost relieve you from tonight, is although dating wasn't around in the Bible's times, what you need to know is there were people asking questions about sex, about marriage, about singleness, about being a virgin, sounds weird, but it's biblical. There, there were people asking these questions, and these, these people were, were actually called the Corinthians. And Paul was writing letters back and forth between the Corinthian church, the church in Corinth, and, and Paul and the church in Corinth were writing letters to one another. And what we're going to see in 1 Corinthians 7 tonight, that's where we're going to be. We're going to see that the Corinthians were asking questions. They were like, wait, should we abstain from sex if we're married? And Paul's like, no, that'd be weird, kind of, unless you do it for a set period of time, and blah, 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 blah. Very, very specific questions were being asked, which to me is like relieving. I'm like, man, I have questions. I'm glad people 2,000 years ago had questions, too. And so we get to look at 1 Corinthians 7. You'll see the questions are being answered. In 1 Corinthians 7, 1, Paul says, now concerning the matters about which you wrote, He's alluding to a letter that had been written to Paul. The Corinthians sent a letter to Paul. Verse 25, he even says, now concerning the betrothed. This is, this is all in the Greek. 
a response to a letter. This, I, this wording of now concerning. That's a, that's a response um, that's happening and betrothed. I didn't know what it was. Had to look it up. This is talking about people who are not yet married. Possibly people that are engaged. Other versions. Actually, every other version just says, now concerning the virgins. Okay? So that's where we're at. In this portion of scripture where Paul is answering questions about singleness and marriage and sex. And so let's start 1 Corinthians 7, 7. Let's see what Paul says. Paul says, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. So Paul is single and he's saying, I wish you were all like me. But each person in this world has a gift from God. Married people have a gift. Single people have a gift. One of one kind and one of another. We know the differences in these gifts. Doesn't take a genius. We know this. And so tonight, what we're going to do as we look at singleness, we're going to answer three questions. The first question we're going to answer tonight is, what is singleness? The second question we're going to answer is, what do we do with singleness? And the third question we're going to answer is, What do we do if we're stuck in singleness, okay? It's going to be sweet. So the first question, what is singleness? Paul is saying, each has his own gift from God. I want you to catch this. Each has his own gift. Married people have a gift. Single people have a gift. So what is singleness? First question tonight. First answer. It's a gift. Singleness is a gift. Both marriage and singleness can be gifts, and they're not mutually exclusive. The fact that that one of them is a gift doesn't mean that the other one can't be a gift. But that's often the way we think of singleness. Because we, we view marriage maybe even as an idol, so much so, instead of it just being rightfully a gift, we elevate it so much that we miss the fact that singleness is a gift too. So here's what I want you to know tonight, is that I believe the Bible is showing us very clearly that singleness is just as much of a gift as marriage. Singleness is just as much of a gift as marriage. But here's the reality. Most of us don't believe that. Because like I said, we elevate marriage and our culture and, and all this stuff. And although society as a whole is moving away from marriage, I still believe in this place in Waco that there is still an elevation of marriage. I, I, I don't mean to just remove you from the statistics of the world, but I do really, I spend time with y'all, and I know there's still an elevated view of marriage, more so than singleness. And so let's just talk about singleness as a gift and, and the benefits you have just really briefly. So singleness is a gift, and the benefits of that gift are what? I just... I could think of two things. Paul doesn't necessarily give us these two things. I'm just going to spitball with you. Two things I think singleness has. Time and freedom. Let me clarify this. Married people have time too. Right? It's just divided differently. It has to be divided because they're married. So time and freedom. First thing. In the bag. This watch. That represents time. We're visual learners. I'm wooing you with this, okay? Visual learners, you have time. Look at this class schedule on the screen. You are not in class all day. 
you're actually in class. Let's say you're a 15-hour-a-week student. You're, you're in class how many hours a week? 15. Okay, good. Okay, Baylor. Good. So how many other hours of the week are there? A lot. That's a good point. Okay, good. You get the picture. What do you have to do tomorrow? You have to go to class. Teachers, you're welcome. All right? You have to go to class. Everything else you have, all the other time you have, you get to choose what you do with it. Time. Another thing. There's a pastor friend of mine in Dallas. Every, I look up to him, and every time I spend time with him, I'd be like, man, how do you know so much Bible? And he would laugh and look at me and say, Dale, when I was your age, that's when I learned. That's when I had the time to learn. Homie's got six kids. I'm like, that makes sense. You don't have time anymore. <laughs> Bible, time. Time. That, let's talk about freedom real quick. This is my passport. I went with 11 students to Southeast Asia this past summer. Why? They have the freedom of a summer, as do I, as do all of you. Freedom. You can go. Go now. And this is what's called a checkbook. Do y'all know what that is? Okay. I'm worried about some of you. You are born in 2000. Um, here's the deal. This is a checkbook. Freedom. We're talking about freedom. We talked about time. This is freedom. Real briefly, there's this thing called money. It goes into a bank. You can write checks to give it to people. Give money to people. Here's the thing about checks. I don't believe that, you know, if you're single and 30, you're making the most money in your life. But what I do know is that you have the most amount of money percentage-wise to give away, to be generous. And so all of this All of these things are a part of the benefits and the gift of singleness. It all goes in the bag. That's just a few of things. That's all just off the top of my head, what I could think of. And so I love this this first point of singleness being a gift. And you're like, I get it. It's a gift. We get it. Time, freedom. Let's move on. Let's just, what I want you to know is the reason why I put it in this brown bag and the reason why all of you got brown bags is because oftentimes we look at this bag and we don't really love it. We're like, singleness. This sucks. Seriously. And so whenever people want to talk to me about singleness and relationships and things, they go, what do you think about singleness? I go, singleness is a bag. It's got good gifts inside. But you can look at this like it's a brown paper bag that was meant to hold beer. Baptist University shouldn't have said that, but you know what I mean. (laughs) You can look at it like it's just this brown bag, or you can look at it like a gift, the gift that it is. So we first saw that singleness is a gift. And what I'm asking you to do with this gift is to take this brown bag and leverage everything in it for the sake of the gospel of Jesus. Time and freedom. Here's also why. For those that are interested in one day being married, when you're living not for yourself in singleness, when you're leveraging your life for the sake of the gospel, you will be well prepared to live with and serve someone else in marriage. I'm going to say that again. When you're living not for yourself in singleness, you will be well prepared to live with and serve someone else in marriage. So the first thing we saw is that singleness is a gift. Let's keep going. Let's answer the question, what do I do with singleness? 
We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 7, 32 and 35. Paul is talking, and this is what he says. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman, not yet married, excuse me, is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this to your own benefit, not to lay in restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. You're like, whoa, that was a lot of scripture, slightly confusing. Here's the deal. Paul is saying, unmarried people are anxious about Jesus. Married people are anxious about the world, their wives, their kids' soccer practice, and other things that keep going. Their interests and their their minds are divided. Their devotion is divided. And a single person, somebody is not yet married, can secure undivided devotion to the Lord. And so what do I do in singleness? Let's see. Undivided devotion. What could that mean? There are these three B's I learned when I was in Dallas. It was belong, be trained, and be strong. And so undivided devotion could be belong, be trained, be strong. Belong, like accountability community, belong to the local church. That's a good thing. Be trained. Why don't you learn the Bible now? As I said, this is the time to put it on our minds and put it in our hearts. That's the, that sounds weird, but that means like memorize it and know it and tell yourself it. That's what that means uh, literally. And so uh, that's be trained. Grow in evangelism, discipleship, what, like be telling people about the good news of Jesus now. So that now when you get a partner in marriage, you get to do it with somebody else. And it's easier in conversation possibly then. But, but you're ready now. So grow in discipleship and evangelism and service. And then lastly, be strong. So again, three Bs. Belong, be trained, be strong. Maybe at this season of singleness, be the person you're looking for is looking for. Be the person you're looking for is looking for. That's something you could be strong in. Or maybe uh, be whole. Pursue the things that need to be healed, the hurts, habits, and hangups of life. Here's the deal. Is that what this verse is saying? Undivided devotion. All those things I just named to you, those are fruits of undivided devotion. But it reminds me of a story of Jesus. There's a story of Jesus where Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she's just listening to him. She's just being with him. She's not doing anything. She's listening. And Martha's running around the house, serving. Martha's like, Jesus, are you not going to tell Mary to help me? And Jesus said, no. Mary's got the right idea. Luke 10, you can look it up. Read it for your homework assignment. And so I don't tell you to belong, be trained, and be strong so that you'll leave here and you'll go work, 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 work. Work, 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 work. I'm warning you. Even lists of godly things can distract us from God himself. Even lists of godly things can distract us from God himself. I've always found that a At this place, whether it be Baylor, MCC, TSCC, busyness is often equated to godliness. That's a lie. 
Busyness does not equate to godliness. Belong, betray, and be strong. We can be distracted with all these things that make it look like on the outside we are doing the right thing. When in reality, we're missing the point of this verse. That stuff is fruit of undivided devotion. What this is saying is, what do I do in singleness? Abide. Abide. What in the world does it mean to abide? Abide is a short word that I use from John 15. That means secure an undivided devotion to what? To the Lord. John 15, I want you to look it up. I want you to read it for homework as well. I want you to to learn it. I want you to know it. Why? Because what this is saying, in conjunction with what Paul is saying, John 15 is saying, apart from the vine, apart from Jesus Christ himself, we can do absolutely nothing. And I, I put my hand up like this. I feel like I'm grabbing a vine, just so you clarify. This isn't me like, yeah, like this is, I'm, I'm attached to the vine. That's what it means to abide, to be connected, to be in right relationship, to be, have an undivided devotion to what? To the Lord alone. So what do I do in singleness? I know Jesus. I sit as, at his feet like Mary did. I come to know him on a personal level. Why? That is where life is found. Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can come to the Father except through him. And so as it, as it relates to singleness in this season of school, you need to know you're going to try to find life in all sorts of other places. And if you attach yourself to the vine of approval of man, I promise you won't find life there. You try to attach yourself to the vine of of your status, of what organization you're in, or even your relationship status, or another person in a relationship, you can't find life there. It'll fail you. Only Jesus. Why? You should ask the question, why? Why can I find life only in Jesus? Because God became flesh came to this earth, lived the perfect life to pay the price of sin, shame on our behalf. He died. He rose again so that we can have life in him and him alone. So what do you do in singleness? Abide. You hold on to that vine and you don't let go. It's the only place where life is found. And let me just tell you, most of us want to be married in the room. The best marriage preparation is having a relationship with Jesus. Why? I'll prove it to you. Jesus, God himself, created marriage. Wouldn't it be helpful to know the creator of it if you want to one day be in it? Yes. Also, God, who is God? Three in one, the Trinity. Unity, equality, distinction, it's confusing. God, three in one. That's all you need to know. Relational God. 
So if you have a relationship with the relational God, which is the way we're meant to find life, don't you think that will teach us how to live in right relationships here on this earth? It's the best, best thing for your relationship. So what do I do with singleness? Abide. It's on the bracelets we just handed out to all of you, by the way, just so you know. And it'd be really good for you, whether you're a freshman or a senior, to make sure you know what that means. If that's all you take away from this place in your four years of college is knowing how to abide in Jesus, that will be sufficient. What do I do with singleness? Abide. It can be illustrated very quickly this way. Oftentimes in life, we have divided attention to Jesus. We just put Jesus in a box. And so if you'll turn your attention to the screen, we have all these different boxes. We have our Jesus box. We have our friends box. We have our school box. We have our family box. We have all these different boxes that we just put things in. We have our romance, our resume. We even have our Friday friends in here. These are a different box, you know? We don't let Jesus into our Friday friends box because that means no fun Friday, right, okay? And so you laugh. It's true for some of you. And then you have your church friends and some of you have work and you have all these different boxes and Jesus is just one of the boxes. Here's the deal. Jesus is not a compartment. He's meant to be the compartment by which everything in your life is done through. It's not just a pyramid scheme. He's in all of it. He's in all of it. I worked at this camp. It was like, God first, others second, I'm third. I'm like, that's dumb. God first, God in others, God, you know, in everything we do, God in our friendships, God in everything. That's what it means to abide in Jesus, to not just put Jesus in a box, but to find our life in him alone and everything we do flows out of that abiding in the vine. And so some of us are like, oh, wow, I do put Jesus in a box. Maybe that means that we're finding life in a lot of other places and we don't have an undivided devotion to the Lord as Paul is telling us to do in our singleness. Let's keep going. The last question we're gonna, we're gonna answer tonight is what do I do if I'm stuck in singleness? And you know what I mean by stuck. It's that, that moment where your friends are getting asked out on dates and you're not, you're not getting asked out on dates. It's the moment where you're coming home and you open the fridge and you're like, or the freezer, you're like, there's the ice cream and there's all the save the dates and I'm going to take the ice cream and I want to burn the save the dates. <laughs> Here's the deal. You laugh. You look at them. They remind you. Hmm, I don't have a ring by spring. Hmm, all my roommates do. Hmm, what's wrong with me? Maybe you're a dude, you ask girls on dates, and they're like, no, thank you. They won't even give you one shot. I'm like, I'm sorry. But you're like, why won't they give me a chance? They're not interested. Keeps happening. You start looking around, you're like, maybe they have more Instagram followers Therefore, they want to date somebody else more than me. You know, your best friend starts dating the guy you really wanted to date. Could be you were keeping it to yourself. So there starts to be this bitterness, this envy. You start to look around and you're like, am I not pretty enough? 
You're like, wait, no, seriously, is there something wrong with me? Does somebody need to tell me something? Is there a reason why I'm not being asked out on dates and everyone else in my house is? What do I do when I'm stuck in singleness? You might know the feeling, maybe not. What do you do when you're stuck? Let me just tell you, I know it all too well. It's all a lie. All that stuff is a lie. You're not pretty enough. You're not good enough. You're not funny enough. You don't have a cool enough Instagram. You don't have this. You don't have that. Stuck in singleness? No. That's all a lie. It's a trap. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to think. So what do you do when you're stuck in singleness? You trust him. You trust him. First Timothy, Paul's letter to Timothy. He tells Timothy, he says, godliness with contentment is great gain. That means abiding in the vine, finding life in Jesus, and that being enough, that's great gain. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, He's saying, don't be anxious about the things of this world. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything you need will be added to you. Let me just tell you, dating or or marriage isn't necessarily something you need. Christ is enough. All of us need to hear that tonight, whether one day we're going to be married or not. We need to know that that cross that we just talked about, that Jesus went to on our behalf, that we find life in, that's enough. And I'm telling you, right now, when those lies start coming in your head, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not good enough, all my roommates, all this, all that, what you need to know is he's enough. And the reason why I care, the reason why I get a little bit intense is because this is what I have to remind myself of. Other people talk about singleness. They're married. I'm not. I know it all too well. But what I do know too is that this is really good news. The reason why this is such good news is is because God isn't looking around at all of us and he's like, you know what? I've been really pleased with this person. I'm gonna give them somebody to date and then one day somebody to marry, right? You laugh, That's often the way that we view God, as if there's some sort of transaction, like if we're good enough. Like I talked about how singleness can be a season of preparation and how we need to better use it, but all we're doing is preparing. We're like, I am doing everything in my power for godliness. God, hello, where is my provision? Where is my blessing? Where is he? (laughs) We're like, you know, we're, we're being obedient For the sake of an outcome, instead of understanding rightfully that Jesus is enough because he's the person that gives us all life. Here's a few different other ways to say it. If you miss everything tonight, don't miss this. God loves you. You're like, really? That? That? Don't miss that. God loves you. His character is loving. 
And he proved it by sending his son Jesus on all of our behalfs. And we need to quit thinking that God's love for us is based on these earthly circumstances and blessings that are given to us. He's given us his son Jesus, and that's enough. He isn't punishing you for the sins of your past. That's not why you're single. He's not showing judgment on you. That's not why you're single. He isn't isn't cursing you by giving you singleness. Jesus took the punishment, everything, the shame, so that we could have life. And so what do we do when we're stuck? We trust him. Even if singleness is the greatest gift we never wanted, we trust him. And we trust. And I just want to say this. I just said it just in passing, but I want to make it really clear too. Is that obedience to God never comes with a guarantee of blessing here on this earth. We are called to obedience no matter the outcome. We're called to find life in him no matter the outcome. And just so you know, married people need to know this. So one day if you're married, you need to know this. And those that are married in the room, please know this. Marriage is not a blessing only for those who God is satisfied with. Marriage is not a blessing only for those who God is satisfied with. So if you're single forever, trust him. Christ is enough. Christ is enough. So that allows us to trust him and that allows us to to set standards and, and, and we have this standard and we know that we never have to lower the bar. The only thing we have to do is extend our patience. In singleness, we never have to lower the bar. All we have to do is extend our patience because we know that we have a God who loves us. Not because of what we've done for him, but because of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. And that God has our best in mind. That's what the psalmist says. He says, do not want. In Psalm 84, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. He isn't cheating you. I promise. Christ is enough. So in summary, what is singleness? It's a gift. What do I do with singleness? Abide. What do I do if I'm stuck in singleness? You trust. And you also recognize that's a trap. And that's a lie. And I want to close with this very quickly. That's all about what singleness is. I want to just talk briefly about what singleness is not. I've mentioned it at the last point, but what you need to know is that singleness is not a deficiency. Singleness is not a curse. Singleness is not a life that's lacking Single life is not an unfulfilled life. That also, all of these things that we tend to believe about singleness, those things are all lies. And I can prove it with the person of Jesus. The Savior of the world was not lacking in life. I promise. He wouldn't be able to have been a Savior. And not just Jesus, there's Paul, there's Mother Teresa, there's other people, there's all of you. You are not lacking. Do not buy the lie that you are lacking and know deeply that Christ is enough and that he loves each and every one of you. He loves me and we're not less than. So this is how we start the semester. 
with the good news of Christ's love on our behalf and the fact that singleness is a gift and we're supposed to abide in that gift, not in the gift, but in Jesus in the gift. We're meant to trust in him because a generation that knows God's love for them on a personal level and knows the love is enough and that Christ is enough is a generation that will love others well and change the world. Let's pray. Father, we humbly come before you. We thank you for loving us. Lord, undo the ways of culture that make us think that we're less than because we're single. We're less than for any stinking reason. Lord, help us to know the truth that you love us just as we are, no matter what we've done in the past, that you love us. Father, we just ask that you would help us to believe this truth that we heard tonight.